I'm Steve Denise and welcome to The Bookstash, a podcast where I chat with fantasy author Ash Oldfield about reading, writing and everything in between. So a couple episodes ago, I don't know if you remember, we were talking about some tips uh, I saw from a writer and uh, Ash has read one of her books now and we'll be talking about it this time. So Ash, why don't you tell us what you've been reading. Well, actually, I haven't been reading because I keep saying, I've said it so many times on this podcast now that I need to give audiobooks a try. And then I've also said I really wanted to read a Monica McInerney book ever since I got really jealous because you got to meet her and I didn't. (laughs) So I went down to my local library and I got The Trip of a Lifetime by Monica McInerney on audiobook. And if you have a look, it's old school CDs. It's so weird. So I had to put them into my laptop because my laptop has a CD player and then hook up a like speaker system because my laptop doesn't have very good speakers and then try to play it through <laughs> that and, and listen to it. So it was an adventure just getting it to work. But once it worked, it was really fantastic. So the the voice artist for The Trip of a Lifetime by Monica McInerney is, I don't know how to say her name, Uli Berve, um, and she was really, really outstanding as the voice artist for this. So the uh, Monica McInerney is well known for her family dramas. I think it's Maeve Binch- Binchley that she's she's compared to, mm-hmm. and um, she's praised sort of the world over for her family dramas. And I'd never read any of her stuff before, so I was really looking forward to it. So the basic premise for The Trip of a Lifetime is there's uh, an Irish woman called Lola Mm -hmm. emigrated to Australia from Ireland 60 years ago. Uh, Her marriage didn't work out, so she's now been single in Australia for 60 years and it's now time for her to go back to Ireland. She takes with her her long-suffering granddaughter, Bet, and also Bet's niece and so the great-granddaughter, um, Ellen. Yeah, right. So you've got a, t- a teenager, a fairly new mother of twins, mm-hmm. and then an eccentric elderly woman. Now, the reason I chose this book is because the blurb said something about willful and eccentric and it just reminded me a lot of my grandmother. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's why I read it because I thought I might get the nostalgic feels from it. And I, I have to say I did. <laughs> so Lola, as I said, she's really eccentric. She is larger than life. She's her own person. She wears vibrant colours, will have like spiky hair, um, really like says and does whatever she wants, She, but she's bored. Right. And okay. she knows that her time on earth is running out and she needs to get some things done in her life while she still can. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't care what anybody else thinks about that. So like when she decides she's going to Ireland, Bet doesn't realise, her granddaughter doesn't realise she's coming with her (laughs) Um, and it's sort of all all done without Bet's knowledge and then she doesn't realise that her niece is coming as well and that's all been organised already. So Lola can be a little bit manipulative in a way but she's so lovable that it's okay. Now, even though, so Bet actually likes to plan everything. She's a journalist so she likes to do her research, likes to plan everything perfectly but even the best laid plans go awry and that's where sort of the the story takes many twists and turns. Um, 
now, as I said, in the audio book, Lola, actually, because she's Irish, she the, the voice artist actually gives her this Irish lilt. And I thought that just added to her <laughs> charm and her eccentricity. And I absolutely loved the character of Lola. In fact, I loved every character in this book. Yeah, it was. Um, so, yeah, as I said, I felt like Lola was really quirky like my grandmother. And in much – so I always felt like with my grandmother I could get along with her quirkiness because it wasn't really my direct responsibility. It was more my mom's direct responsibility. Right, yeah. And so I could kind of go along with it and join in on her on her eccentricities. So I really love that with reading about Lola made me kind of miss my grandma as well. But, yeah. So I actually found out later this was a part of a series as well. Oh, but really? I never once felt like I was missing out on anything. Like yeah. it reads really well as a standalone novel. Um, the thing that really got me about this book is the warmth mm. and the humour. <laughs> and I don't know how you get those two, but it was just so fantastic. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Uh, the, the characters are just all so relatable and that family dynamics grew. As the story grew more complicated, so too did the family dynamics, but there was still always that sense of love there. It, yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but it was fantastic. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, they, they, you know, everyone does say that Monica McInerney writes really well for family units and groups and yes. that sort of relationship well, stuff. Well, you were saying that she plans the family first yeah, and the relationships right. and then the story comes after. Mm. Is that is that what she said? That's what she said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was listening to you when you were <laughs> um, when you were giving her tips in the podcast. I was actually, was I listening? I listened back to it later. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, what, what lessons did you take away from the book? So for me, taking away from this book was the art of creating characters because – uh, Monica McInerney just does this so well. The characters are all so three-dimensional, so real. And so I want to go through this again with a fine-toothed comb and just absorb that, absorb that skill. So knowing the family history, the dynamics and all of that sort of thing makes your characters so much more real. And then when you have those real characters, the story almost tells itself. So even though um, The Trip of a Lifetime did have an external plot, I felt like the true story here came from the dynamic between the people. Mm. So my lesson taken from this book is basically any writers out there, if you're struggling with character development, um, definitely go through a Monica McInerney book with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah. I know sometimes, particularly when I very first wrote Fireburn Island, which was about five or six years ago now, Rashea herself, the main character, was a cardboard cutout. She was very one-dimensional, boring. The other characters around her were rich and vibrant and fantastic, but Rashea herself was not. And I think if I had read a Monica McInerney book, maybe I would have actually, no, I probably would have figured out her family dynamics so much quicker mm. to then give Rashea that personality because it was once I had her relationship with her father, Christian, and her relationship with her cousin, Michael, that's when Rashea really came to life. Yeah, and definitely. And so- if I'd listened to Monica McInerney's tips earlier, <laughs> I would have already had those family dynamics. Actually, the other one, my other character, Lady Persephone, yeah. uh, Michael's mother, helped me set up Rochea as a character as well. So maybe doing some work initially thinking about your 
character and the context of who's around them, yes. like what's defined them. I think I almost need to do, you know, in those crime movies where they've got strings <laughs> between with pinned in between all the photos yeah. and all the links between all the people with little notes hanging off it and how they relate to each other. Mm. I think I almost need to do something like that yeah, when I'm creating a character. Because your personality isn't just a carbon copy of your parents. It's, no. it's more the result of what your parents' personalities are. And it's not just who you love and who you get along with, but who don't you get along with? Who yeah. annoys you? Who grinds your gears? That's that's a bad thing, right? Grinding someone's yes. gears. Yeah. So that as well is really important. How you respond to those negative people in your life, that defines you too. So you need to definitely, and every, every family has that one person that just uh, irritates them. <laughs> Absolutely. Something else that's interesting to me is you listen to an audiobook mm. of this and it's the first time you've listened to an audiobook? Or? I have <laughs> I've started to listen to audiobooks in the past and then gone away and picked up the hard copy. Oh yeah. And just so I started listening to Pride and Prejudice. I think I got two chapters in and then just went and read the rest of Pride <laughs> and Prejudice. Yeah, it's true. Mm. I mean a good a good narrator helps a lot too. Yes, it does. But what I was gonna ask is in terms of learning, like lesson as a writer, mm. absorbing things about writing style and the language use and so on, did you find in an audiobook you noticed that less or was it just different? I find audiobooks slow. Yeah. I read really fast. And for me, slowing it down, I probably missed a lot of writing technique that I would normally pick up on. But what it did do for me is the flow the lyricism of dialogue mm. that I, I got a lot from that, which is a very similar to why I will watch um, like Shakespeare, yeah. like Henry the Fourth. I watch that quite a quite a lot. It's a lot easier to follow in because yeah. you can hear the the way the words are flowing into each other. Mm. So even though I missed a lot of what I would normally pick up on, that really helped me with my with my dialogue and my my voice I think cool by listening to it yeah yeah I still I'm still not sold on audiobooks though <laughs> because I can't listen and do something else you know you will listen to an audiobook while you're doing the dishes or mowing the lawn or driving the car I can't do that because I can't listen to the audiobook I miss everything uh, see, I, find I those zone tasks, out I find those tasks really mindless so I can just focus on no the book. I find myself zoning out from the audiobook and then I've got to go back and listen and what did I just miss and <laughs> yeah. so I'm actually it's just something my, my brain just doesn't work that way so I still still struggle with the audiobook but that's the same with if I'm listening to a podcast or the radio mm. or whatever I'll suddenly realize oh hang on a minute that's been playing for half an hour and I haven't listened to a word of it <laughs> so yeah I'm audio wise there's something a missing connection in my brain or something yeah right Right. Well, the only time I get interrupted in an audiobook is if someone does something crazy on the road and then for the next couple of minutes I, like, haven't been listening anymore yeah, yeah. and I realise I have to rewind. But otherwise, yeah, when it's doing something, like, mindless, I just find I can just focus on the. I just never do anything mindless. That's my problem, though. Yeah. I don't like to do things that are mindless. They, mm. I, I avoid that sort of thing. That's mm. why I never do the dishes because <laughs> I find it mindless. Yeah. Yeah, but then enough. if I'm doing the dishes... I can't zone that out by listening to an audiobook because then I don't hear the audiobook. So Fair enough. I'm my own worst enemy, aren't I? I don't think I'd do any housework if I didn't have audiobooks or yeah. something to listen to. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the book? Other than that, I loved it. Yep. No. 
That's it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. So let's move on to your writing tips mm-hmm. for this episode. So this is actually an exercise that I found online years ago, and I wish I can remember where I got it from. I did so many Google searches to try to find the original link to it. So this is not my idea. I got this online years ago. Um, so if anybody out there knows knows the link to this, please let us know and we'll, we'll put it up. Um, basically, this is... Uh, about identifying the flow of your story. So I, we did just talk about how listening to the audiobook helped me identify the f- flow of dialogue. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the overall pace of your story, how well it is paced. So what I want listeners to do at home is to take a book that they really love. What's a book you find you just cannot put down? And then The next thing, which is the fun thing, is go and get highlighters and you want four different colored highlighters. And then the next step is the bit that I really hate. So I did this with Harry Potter and I actually bought a new copy of Harry Potter to do this too (laughs) because I can't bring myself to make notes in books that I own. I don't like to damage books. But basically you've got four colored highlighters and you're going to be highlighting different aspects of the book. So the first thing you need to go through is highlight any description. Mm-hmm. Anytime the author describes place or character or setting, highlight that. Then get a different colored highlighter and I want you to highlight any backstory. Anytime the author fills you in on what happened in the past, is catching you up to speed, highlight that. The next thing, highlight action. Anytime a character is doing something, highlight that. And then the last thing with your last highlighter is to highlight any dialogue. And you'll instantly see a rich tapestry of colours on the page and then it's very clearly to see how a really good writer breaks down passages of work. Mm -hmm. Then take out your book that you're writing and do the exact same process in the exact same colours and then hold them up side by side. How does yours compare? Right. So if you yeah. find you've just got chunks of thick description and the writer you really admire doesn't, maybe you then need to break it up. How did that writer you admire break it up? Was it with dialogue? Was it with some action? And then that's a right way of just uh, I find it a really good task for editing my work. If I sense a scene is really slow and I don't know why, this is what I do. Yeah, nice. That's a good trick. Uh, When I did Harry Potter, I also did do a fifth thing, which was to, uh, I just made little notes in the column. Anytime JK Rowling used that show, don't tell. Ah, yeah. So um, I actually want to do a whole writing tip by itself. I can hold other podcasts on that. But um, the one that I found that um, I wanted to just mention in the podcast uh, was what really stood out to me was when she was describing Vernon Dursley. J.K. Rowling never said he was unpleasant. Instead, she had this. She said, he yelled at five different people. He made several important telephone calls and shouted a bit more. He was in a very good mood. (laughs) So that shows you straight away that his unpleasant and he loves it. Yeah. Um, so that also helped me just whenever I highlighted anytime she showed rather than told, that just helped me as well. That was something I did um, on my own volition. 
Yeah, it's cool. So that this is this is an exercise I actually do quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, I no longer compare it to an author that I really like. I just do it so I can see my own scene break up to make sure my pace is how I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't want it to be fast paced. So sometimes I do this to figure out where I can slow the pace down. Yeah, nice. So, yeah. Cool. That's a good trick. Mm. So the the variation is what makes it feel more pacey and like yes. the staying yeah. on one sort of. And then if you want to slow it down. it down, it's yeah less variation. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Uh, so just to recap: highlighting, description, mm. backstory, action, dialogue. Cool. Yeah, definitely. It seems a bit like the bigger scale version of that thing we talked about with sentence yes. lengths. Yeah. yeah. I think that's actually where I got the sentence length thing from because uh, I've been doing that for a very yeah, long time yeah. as well. This is That's sort of right from when I very first started as a writer, which is probably eight or nine, maybe even ten years ago now. Yeah. And for anyone who's not mm. listened to everything or can't remember, that sentence length thing is that if you try to vary the First length- five sentences. Oh, you, oh, you say it, Ash. We're talking about different. I think we're talking about different things. Oh, okay. I was saying take the first five sentences of a story, that one. Oh, I was talking about the. You know how you have like how many words you have in mm. sentences and mm. you vary it, so it doesn't. We haven't feel talked as, about that in the podcast. Oh, we haven't talked about no. that before. Okay, well that should be a tip for another time. Maybe if <laughs> if, if I remember, can we write that down? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we'll try to talk about that I'm next gonna, time. Hang on, I'm just going to quickly write a note. Very. Sentence. I'm not going to know what this means later. Yeah, Thanks. yeah. But yeah, the short version of it is anyway that you vary the lengths of your sentences to make something seem a bit more interesting and some short, some long, some medium, rather than all short or all long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Worth having a look at other books for mm. that as well. I guess we can move right on to accountability. Ash. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I've just been filling in gaps in my research. Haven't written anything new. I've done some character profiles, which was exciting. Um, did the research, some research on volcanoes. Mm. Made sure I was, was, you know, I was talking um, a few podcast episodes back now, working with a cartographer, yes. discovering how little I know about geography is making me really paranoid. <laughs> so my research game has been upped and I research heavily anyway. So now I'm going a bit crazy with it. Excellent. So that's my accountability. I'm going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazy um, levels of research. But I feel like that can only be a good thing in the as long as I do start writing, that yep. that'll be a good thing. Mm, as nice. long as I don't get bogged down by the research. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. All right. Um lastly, let's do a writing prompt for these guys. This was a writing prompt I wanted to do last week, but because we were talking so much about magic, I didn't want to confuse what I meant by this writing prompt. So this writing prompt is basically um, just have a think about and jot down how does your antagonist acquire power? Right. How does the antagonist acquire power? So I'm not necessarily talking about magic here. You might be talking about the... There's all sorts of power. Yeah, yeah. Like control. Or mm, exactly, yeah. yeah. So have a think about how does your antagonist... Acquire power. Acquire yeah. power. What are you trying to get out of that one? When you're working on that thought process. Uh, you know, usually an antagonist is a bad guy for the sake of being a bad guy. Yep. Um, so if you're thinking about the how do, are they acquiring power, that will then help you understand the whys and the wherefores and right. the, the history behind it. Yeah, okay. You'll be surprised how much depth you have to go into to figure this to out. To work out the answer. Yeah. Cool. And if you can't answer it, it means you have to think a bit harder about your antagonist. Yeah, you yeah exactly. You need to uh, have a think a little bit more about motives. A yeah. bad guy can never be a bad guy just because yeah, you need yeah. to, you need to know why. Um, that was actually feedback I got 
a couple of years ago now, someone was asking me why my antagonist is bad. And I wasn't making that clear enough mm. in an earlier draft of Fireburn Island. I had to go back and make it more clear for myself to yeah, make it more clear for the reader. Everyone's the hero of their own story. Tom Hiddleston said that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lots of people have said I that, think, but there's yeah. a quote I often share on Twitter with a picture of Tom Hiddleston as dressed as Loki and says, <laughs> even the villain is the hero of his own story. And it always gets so many likes and retweets. <laughs> and I think just because it's Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, yeah, because it's Loki as well. Yeah, yeah, and Loki, yeah. Uh, it's great. Okay, um, cool. All right, well, yeah, share with us your uh, reasoning behind your villain's yeah, I'm really interested to hear what yeah. people's um, reasons are for their villainous yeah. actions. I, I do want to know that. You should just shout out that question on Twitter and see what people say. <laughs> um, cool. Okay, well, that's everything for this episode. So our website is bookstashpodcast.com. And you can find us on social media at Bookstashcast, which is all one word, on Instagram and Twitter. And if you do a search for The Bookstash on Facebook, you should find us there. Uh, Until next time, keep reading, keep writing, and we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon.